the Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer with Gene Galvin and me, I am Maria Corelli. We are recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience here in Folk School Coffee Parlor of Ludlow, Kentucky. Oh, All rise. Hey, the Honorable, well, that's a stretch, Judge Jerry Springer. Actually, when the court, we started taping. Yes. And when, when I come in, you know, he says, all rise. Yes. The bailiff does. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, and then when I get in there, he hands me the case, and then I hit the gavel, and I say, you may be seated. The only time ever people let's, stand up. see out. how you do it. <laughs> this is a, as I pointed out last week, a historic, this was, my grandfather was a. It's 249 <laughs> at Walmart. No, theater it's house. Plastic <laughs> at the theater house. Come on, some bullshit. Actually, the gavel that right, I right. use. Yeah. Um, um, Mickey says to my brother-in-law, he does woodwork, and yeah. he actually made me a uh, from a tree Whoa. on his farm. Seriously, he cut really? it down and he made this beautiful. But it's huge, and when I hit it, people jump up. Is that the gavel you're using? Like, yes, that is the one you're yeah, using. Yeah, I'm using the one he made. So if you yeah, go to JerrySpringer.com, don't go right now. Our bandwidth is kind of thin here. But uh, <laughs> if you go to JerrySpringer.com, we're yeah. running a piece of video of you. It must be with that gavel. No, From that picture show. was taken before, but uh, oh, the really? gavel, I just there's video of you uh, using now, the gavel. When, now, when you when you'll be able to start seeing the trials in September, it would break see. this table if you oh, use yeah. it on this table. Oh, yeah. people have died. I understand. <laughs> uh, Maria Corelli, our third voice of the podcast, got hit uh, by a gavel. Yeah, no, she didn't. no, she didn't. But She's we fine. we She's switched fine. up today. Uh, this. Uh, period in which we're recording this, so we're doing this on a Wednesday instead of a Tuesday, Maria had a previously arranged radio interview that relates to her album release, The Strings of My Guitar, and that comes out, so we're doing this on today, the 10th of April, I believe, so this weekend she has two shows here at Folk School Ludlow, Kentucky, that are her album release shows, and then a third on Sunday night. Uh, at the Vets uh, in Ludlow, Kentucky, and there are tickets still available for that. So that's why Maria is in here, but we're really excited about Maria Corelli. Absolutely. C-A-R-R-E-L-L-I. You should uh, track her down. Her, her album's really good, and you can find that on all the normal places you would find music. Uh, I often come in... And you chide me for it, Jerry. You mock yes. me because I read Why not? emails oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. from listeners. And for some reason, well, that pisses you off, so I've now stopped doing that. But I did want to tell you, well, only for maybe a week, but right. I did want to tell you what the most oft-asked questions I get as the executive producer of the Jerry Springer podcast, Tales, We've Tunes, been doing this for four years. Yes. You've gotten three oh, emails. no, no. I... <laughs> When I studied literature at Xavier University, uh, I learned about a thing called a motif. It's a reoccurring theme, and there is a motif. The is that concept. Where, yeah, that's where they got the word motive from. Is that true? You went to law school. I, I used to say I have an English degree. I don't know anything about the law. I'm a judge. You're a judge, yeah. <laughs> hey, ba-doom-boom, hey. Anyway, uh, 
These are the three most often asked questions in me. The first one is really, I think, going to surprise you. The one that's asked the most is, what time does the Ludlow City bus stop at Hazen Street <laughs> in Ludlow? That surprised me. You know, people come up to me. Why, and yeah. and why, you, well, why would you, they come to our website and ask that I question? I don't know. <laughs> But it's an odd question because yeah. Hazen Street, and I have to then take my time to explain this because my day is just jammed being executive producer. So we have to explain, well, Hazen Street actually runs parallel to highway. By the way, the, the way Ludlow City Bus Let's works, say a listener is listening to this in Kansas. Well, see, I didn't think that through. Well, yeah. <laughs> in other words, they would Why? have. Yeah. Like, give me. means jack squat to them. Yeah, give me two reasons. Yeah. I won't say five. Two reasons right. why, but no, but you, you now, here's, here's the answer. That's I'd like a good to question. know. I'm interrupting. <laughs> no, no, here's the answer. When someone <laughs> from Kansas comes to Ludlow yes. and they are going to come, they're going to come. How they need they to not? know that the Ludlow City bus, and this is what's unique about it, it yes. only makes a run one time a day. It goes east, it turns around, and it goes west. What does the does driver that? do the rest of the time? I don't this know. This is a full-time job? No, but we, you make you've one been run? in government, we have budget problems. So yes. they make one run. It takes about five, seven minutes to go down, turns around, and goes back. So basically, this is a 15-minute job. Basically, I hadn't thought that through, but I guess that's true. But well, what people in Ludlow have to do is they have to organize their lives around that Oh, Seven-minute window, 14-minute sure. window. Oh, my gosh. I didn't so think. anyway, hey, they also ask, what's the job of an executive producer like? And I'd like to hear that. Well, <laughs> I was talking to my... Talking uh, about a seven-minute job. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I was talking yeah. to my wife the other night at dinner, and I realized what? that a skill that I've always lacked is the skill... <laughs> wait, wait, we don't have time. To do <laughs> the skill to do work, I, I don't have that skill. I'm not good at that. Yeah. So um, no, I don't. Executive, it's too complicated to explain. Last is why do you seem to feel comfortable uh, making light of Jerry? Because <laughs> I, I, I get asked that. Because I've had people from your TV show call me up and say, "We we don't do that. We don't get to do that. Why do you get to do that?" I don't know. Who does do that, though, is, is my family, remember? Oh, yeah, your family's when, good. Yeah, you, one of, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my birth, big birthday parties, it was like the 60th, I think, and uh -huh. you and Louis, you know, yeah. two dearest friends, yes. get up in front of my family and do like a little roast. Some pretty rough stuff. <laughs> well, my family's from the old world. Yeah, they didn't think it was funny. So they just don't kind of get this, so they could not understand... Why you were making fun of Gerald. Of Gerald. <laughs> and really, well, they're going through their material. <laughs> the, yeah. My family's looking steam. <laughs> yeah, they're like, stop. Well, remember, I sang. Gerald invited them, for gosh sakes. I know. I sang the primary song from Jerry Springer, the opera. <laughs> which is, I'm not yes, going to say the word because I don't yeah. cuss. It only has one word. It only has one word, and it starts with F. Yes. And I sang that song, and they yes. did not think that was funny. No. Hey, uh, how's the TV show going? It won't be aired until mid-September, and we're doing this recording in April, if you're listening on the archive, but you're in production. Yeah, Speaking we started of this work, week. Yeah, it was exciting. Really? I really enjoyed it. I mean, I really did. You know, I wasn't sure, and I was a little bit nervous just because I'd have to know something about the law. And we did 31 cases, and it was... Wow. Yeah, it was real challenging, but it was 
I loved it. it was, yeah. And I, I've, we have talked, and sometimes not joking about this, uh, I actually have uh, serious respect. You're like a brother to me, and I, I know you have a great brain. You could have been a judge if you had chosen to go on that route politically. Uh, you, I swear you could have been a judge for life because you would have gotten elected, and then not once in, you're in, you're not in. Not in Kentucky. Nah, well, maybe not. <laughs> See, I get Why that. Why is that funny? No. <laughs> No, I get that 50 joke. years ago, no. you're still laughing. And some young people, how do they even know what the hell we're talking I know. about? That, it's just, is it's it like a legend? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. Mom tells daughter, yeah. father tells son? You know, son. I take questions before the regular show. Yeah, and that comes And there's up. always some kid, you know, I say kid, I mean, you know, college kid that's yeah. in the audience. He asks that question. His parents weren't dating back then. I know. How the hell do you know about that? <laughs> okay, go ahead. But yeah. truth be told, the Jerry Springer show... You uh, were actually disallowed from preparing much because they wanted the fresh everyman reaction. So you simply got a card and said, come on down, tell me your story. And you asked questions. This show, 31 cases. So you had to study 31 cases. In but virtually- you have a week to do. In other words, we tape every other week. Yeah. So the week before you're going through, and I've kind of got it down that I do about you know, I, I study about six cases a day in, in preparation. Yeah. And then, of course, the night before, because we do 10 cases a day of taping. So we tape in three days, 30 cases. One day we did 11 cases just because the plaintiff and defendant, what we could get them then. Yeah. So we decided to go ahead and do that. But Damn, it's, I'm but it's yeah, it's, um, there's an energy in there, a different kind than in the crazy regular show. But you realize they're... It's a real case, and they are concerned about the yeah. outcome. They want to win. And they yeah, win. They, they aren't, you know, the audience, if I make some wise crack, as I inevitably do, and, you know, the audience will chuckle or whatever, laugh, but they, they're not there to have fun. They want to win their case, and they're really angry at each other. Not physical fighting, but it's a real issue. Do you know what a focus group is? Yeah. Uh, explain real fast, what, what's a focus group? Um, it's what, you know, advertisers do it for brands and politicians do it. You get 15 people into a room for a couple of hours and you're shown various things by a, someone who leads the group, uh, maybe clips, uh, videos, etc., and you get their honest reaction. And from that, you can glean, you glean what'll work. And that's how you get a line on a commercial. You wonder why did the politician pick that line is because in these focus groups, they tested all these various lines and see how people respond to it. Like, uh, you know, he'll say something about, well, he's, he's going to lower the taxes and say, I don't care about that. I don't want, but he's, uh, has this view on abortion. Oh, oh and find a nice line in that. And that's how, one of the reasons I would argue we don't have leadership today is because politicians hire consultants. Consultants get um, focus groups. And so you first find out what the voter wants to hear, and then you spit it back at him or her in a commercial. And so therefore, we get nothing new no, let's take another step forward. It's just, I'm giving you what I already know you believe, and therefore vote for me. Well, I focus uh, group, I focus group today, your new TV show, 
<laughs> this long explanation for no, your that's, No, that's what a focus group mode. is. Go ahead. Yeah. That's what a focus group is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I focus grouped, focus grouped your show today yes. with 15 convicts at a state prison in oh, Kentucky. You're dead serious. I'm not, I'm not yeah. going to name the place and, uh, because I'm uh, going to be doing an, uh, a, a class. I'm teaching a class yeah, as a volunteer tell in folks this that prison. You, you are now going into a prison in Kentucky. Right. Where and then we'll just say that's yeah. all I'm going to say. Okay. Not, there's seven yeah. of them down there, and I'm doing okay. it at one of them. And right. I go in, and I'm doing a critical thinking seminar with 15 guys who have voluntarily signed up for this and using the Socratic method and studying primary texts. And we started with the Declaration of Independence, but we're going to work through a bunch of short primary texts and sometimes pieces of art yeah. and sometimes uh, iconic photographs, so it's not just printed word. And we analyze them and uh, have discussions, and all of that develops critical thinking skills. Well, in the process, of course, I talked about who I am, where I came from, and what I do. And my main work's been in education my whole life, but I do produce, uh, and I make clear I'm the executive. I don't say producer. I say the executive <laughs> producer of the Jerry Springer podcast. So your show comes up. Oh, they love your TV executive. show. And they, there is no internet in prisons. I think that's universally true. Yeah. That's the case in Kentucky. There's no internet, but there is TV and there's a library and there's, there are newspapers. But it's all paper or radio over the airwaves or TV, and that's cable, by the way. So they get your show, and I explain to them the Judge Jerry show, and they love the TV show, the crazy show, and they are... Looking forward to the Judge Jerry show. So we're can't optimistic. Have a very good view of judges. Uh, well, they have a unique. <laughs> they have. Yeah, a, I want to go back again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They have a yeah. unique uh, yeah. view of judges. Yeah. Uh, boy, seriously, when you go into and this is my second time into this prison. Oh man, it is. It's sobering. It's somber. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And. There are uh, people there who, uh, some of whom, and some of whom are in my class that will never, they'll never leave there. The, the nature of their crime, the nature of their sentence, they will never leave. And um, very interesting. And I ask them, you know, how's the food? And it sucks. And, yeah. you know, usual institutional response. And, uh, but it's, and as time goes on, I'll, uh, this is a bit of an experiment to do this thing called paideia method. A Greek word which means education, developed by Mortimer Adler, modern yep. philosopher, and we've talked about him because you know through your family of him. Yep. So we'll see how this goes. So um, I, I loved the uh, it, I love I love the possibility, and today just gave yeah, me I the feeling of the possibility doing. of what this might yeah. uh, do. Uh, just to conclude this, the simple goals are one. Give some people something to do in addition to what they already have, which is the gym and, you know, yeah. and sometimes jobs. And, you know, a big thing down there is training dogs. Yeah. Rescue, well, oh, right. getting rescue yeah. dogs and then training them to be assist dogs. And this is interesting. I'll throw this one interesting fact in. Uh, prisoners in that system, and again, I think this is universally true, have a, whether it's called a celly, a cellmate, a roommate. And that presents some real problems. Yeah. Guys snore, or, you know, I'm shut up. That, that'd be my problem in there, and, you know, this <laughs> and that. I'm not rooming with you. No, no I hear you. <laughs> but if you work with a dog, yeah. 
you have your own room. You have a private room. So a room that's in the the block yeah. now has one person in it and the animal you're training. So if you want to have, obviously, privacy and some other, and peace and quiet, yeah. then get into the dog program. And pro, I'm going to learn more as I spend more time down there, but that might be a hard program to get into. But I know uh, three members of my 15-member class are in the dog program, and wow. a guy that I know who was released four months ago was in the dog program. Pretty interesting. I wouldn't yeah. have thought that, but that, yeah. I, mean, I, I didn't either. When I, I admire told. what you do just to think of the idea, because I know you contacted them, and you know this is an interest you have, which is great. Yeah, well, I appreciate it, and, and uh, we'll see I'm if just how thinking, it works. I could have I met know. you that way. Yeah, I could have been. <laughs> could have been. Yeah, I, I, I was in jail one night, but it was in. Yeah. Oh my God, it was in Kentucky. I spent well part of a night in jail in Kentucky. Uh, in that, my wife got me out and, and did not speak to me for three days. But uh, anyway, that's speeding ticket. It's not. That's not the issue. That's not what we're here to talk about. Let's People leave that alone. <laughs> Fifty years from now, remember that speeding ticket? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, hey, let me tell you real fast. Yes. I'm in there, and they put me in the trustee section. And upstairs, there were guys that were like hardcore. They weren't. Yeah. They were transitioning off to a yeah. prison, but they had done some pretty rough stuff. Yeah. And so a guy who was a trustee looks over a balcony, uh, a railing, and says, Hey, what are you in for? Speeding. <laughs> Get your ass up here. And you know me. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm always in. This is going to be yeah. a good story. So I go up, walk up the steps, and there were, these guys were all in cages. Like, literally, cages yeah. in this big courthouse attic. I think it was Crescent Springs, Kentucky, or someplace like that. And they were in there for some crazy stuff. So they were asking me to call wives and girlfriends, and I'm memorizing phone numbers. I had nothing to write with. And so I went back and called some people. Hey, Bobby says, hey, where the hell is he? I said, yeah. well, he's in jail and wherever it was. Hey, we've got the Carriers coming on, our musical group. They're real good. Loud they're, and proud, and they're, they're second time on our podcast. They're shorter than I thought. Where? Well, uh, they'll, be, they'll be coming in in a minute. Uh, oh, I want, but I, I wanted to ask you yeah. a question about uh, Donald Trump's th this push to have his tax returns from past years, which all presidents have done, all presidential since, candidates. Since Nixon, yeah. That goes back a ways. Yes, since Nixon, every so president So what do you think is. of this controversy where the Dems, the House Dems, who control the House, are trying to get them, and he says it's not going to happen? Well, it's a fine line they have to draw because on the political end of it, they can't look like they're going to harass Trump for every single thing. At, at some point, even though many of us know there's a whole list of things which legitimately you can go after him for, at some point you have to set your priorities because after a while, most people who aren't that interested in politics just turn off and they say, oh, well, yeah, of course they're you know, going after his taxes. I don't care about his taxes, that kind of thing. But there are some interesting issues involved here. The first one is Trump, once again, you know, the dishonesty party said during the campaign, 
Uh, I'll eventually release my taxes. I can't now, though, because I'm under audit. Well, number one, there's no evidence that he was under audit. And number two, there clearly is, and this is not a subject of debate, but it's, it, it's what is, that uh, just because you have an audit doesn't mean that you can't divulge your, your tax returns. So that is a ridiculous argument. He, but he figured most people may not know that, and it sounded good, so he said it. And he's saying it's all political. They just want to see my taxes, so they come, come after me. You know, it's part of the witch hunt, all that stuff, which is catching on among his base. And he keeps going to the base, figuring maybe in the last year he can expand the base a little bit more because something will happen, and that'll be enough to put him over the edge. I think that's what their ultimate strategy is. He will fight to the end not to release his taxes. This is probably the single most important issue to him. Uh, he probably figured he has the votes in the Senate, so he's not going to be impeached. He's worried about what will criminally happen to him and his family, and he's most liable on all the financial involvement he has had over the years before he became president, not to mention what conflicts he might have in the White House. So that... His taxes are a roadmap. It's not just a matter of whether he paid it or not. It's whether it's where this income is coming from and whether or not it was reported at all. And was his association with various entities in violation of federal law, even if he wasn't president? Is he being compromised? I mean, there are a lot of real criminal issues here that go beyond the political one of whether or not he would ever be impeached. So he will fight this all the way to the Supreme Court, and he probably thinks in the back of the mind he's got the Supreme Court in his pocket now. So, But he's going to fight it. He's not going to voluntarily give up uh, his taxes, no matter what he says. Uh, no matter what he says, he's not going to do that because he knows that he's in more trouble if people see his taxes than the bad PR he gets by refusing to release it. He'd rather have you know the people that are always picking on him say, oh, he's hiding something. He survives that. Uh, people don't seem to care. But legally, he's not going to let people see that if he can at all avoid it. The reason I am convinced he's hiding something, and I guess most people are, and yes, the poll shows most people believe he's hiding something, is because if he wasn't hiding anything, it'd be great for him to come out now and say, here are my taxes, see? What was all that about? And in fact, if there really is nothing in his taxes and he really is clean, wow, he would have a free ride probably through a re-election because anything that was ever brought up against him now, he would be able to say, here they go again. They're just making this stuff up. It's a witch hunt. I told you before, I'm not going to go through it again. Don't believe anything you hear from the columnists, anything you hear from the pundits, anything you read in the paper. None of it is true. So... He would do that. It's the greatest political thing he could ever do. But he can't because, in fact, he's hiding something. What? I don't know. But he's hiding something. Otherwise, there's no reason not to do it, particularly when every other president since Nixon has done it. And we've had controversial presidents before. So it's not like, well, and Republicans, Democrats, they all have done it. Now, the question then is, is there a way to force him to give it up? Well, he also knows, by the way, that if he fights it in the courts, it won't affect him politically because whatever his case is, 
in the courts, you can drag it out long enough to go past the 2020 election. You know, I mean, a brand new lawyer would be able to file enough motions, have enough hearings, have enough depositions taken that the case would not come to trial, would not be disposed of um, prior to the next election. So he can skate through on this. Will the, I know the news is giving a lot of um, space to this issue, but it's not, it's not going to be an issue in the next election because it's not going to come out prior to the next election, and he can, he can just keep saying what he's saying. Is there a way, though, to force it? In other words, that's his strategy. There's no way I'm giving him up. But is there a way they can force it? Well, there, there's no constitutional requirement for a president to release his taxes, but there is a law, there is an IRS regulation which says that if a chairman of the Ways and Means Committee in the Congress, which you know is now in Democratic hands, if the chairman of the uh, uh, Ways and Means Committee requests the IRS to release the tax information to that committee chairman, the law is very clear. The IRS, the word is, shall release it. They don't even have... It has to be for this reason or that reason. They just say shall, no exceptions. So the law is clearly on the side of a Democratic chairman, and Democratic chairman is Neil, and he has said if it's not given voluntarily, he will request from the IRS Trump's tax returns. Now, Trump will probably go and fight that in court. In court, he could lose, although it'll be after the election. And the reason he could lose is that the law is pretty clear, and if it's for a judicial or legislative purpose. Now, Trump is saying this is all partisan. Well, it may be partisan, but that doesn't mean it's not, you know, if you're a Republican and a Democrat gets in trouble, you may be very happy that the Republican's in trouble, but it doesn't mean the Republican shouldn't be in trouble or vice versa. In other words, just because you're happy with, with the result of it doesn't mean you can't go after the person because you'll be happy. So his argument that it's partisan is nonsense. There's no constitutional requirement that he has to do it, but there is a law which says he has to give it to that committee for a judicial or legislative purpose. Now, here's where it gets tricky. If it's a judicial purpose, there has to be some judicial action which warrants the turning over of his tax returns. But the only um, judicial move that a Congress can make is impeachment. They can't indict, so the only thing the Congress can do is to start impeachment. Well, the Democrats don't want to do the impeachment because they know they can't win in the end because the Republican senators won't vote to throw him out of office, so they'll go into the election basically doing nothing but making it even appear more partisan, more of a witch hunt, divide people up, inspire Republicans to come on out, just as Clinton went up in the, in the polls as soon as the Republicans went after him with impeachment. So they don't really want to go down that path. I think the, the legislative area is a better one. I think it, there's a legislative argument to be made that the reason Congress needs to look at his tax returns is the very serious question of whether or not the President of the United States 
is being compromised because of his financial relations. There is enough evidence that is public already that he has dealings with foreign powers. We know that. Don't even have to get into the issue of collusion. We already know about the emoluments clause, that he is profiting from foreign governments, whether it's in his hotels, his properties, whatever, his golf courses. So there is a legitimate legislative responsibility for the Congress, which is in charge of overseeing the executive. That's their job. It's the equal branch of government that they have every right to get information they need to make a determination whether there should be some additional legislation which prevents a president or politician from being compromised by a foreign power. So I think in the courts, if you didn't have a Republican Supreme Court, it would hold up. I think it will hold up all the way up to the Supreme Court. And then just maybe, just maybe, it will be released and Trump will be held to account. And why is this important to us? Every one of us as voters has to decide whether or not we think the presidency is anything more than a joke. I mean, that's what we're really down to now. It isn't about Democrat or Republican. We have, in the last two years, accepted the fact. Think about it. When you talk to your Republican friends, you hardly find anyone saying, boy, this is a wonderful person. This is a person with integrity. This is the standard by which you want your kids to live their lives, by which the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, we all know that that's a joke. And so now let's not blame Trump anymore. We know what he's like. This 2020 election, beyond any issue, is about whether we think our government, the presidency, what America stands for, whether any of these values are important. Otherwise, what we need to do is just drop social studies, drop civics, stop the hypocrisy of July 4th parades, saluting the flag, all of that, which you convince yourself makes you a real patriot and you really care about America and what it stands for and what all these young men and women have died for over the centuries. It really says that you don't really care about it that much because any goofball can do whatever he wants in the presidency of the United States. Yes. Hey, we're going to ask the carriers to join us now, and they have been on our show before. We really like this band. And uh, as they are setting up, there is uh, a group from the Cincinnati area, and I remember we're in Ludlow, Kentucky, which is, we can, looking out the back window, almost see downtown Cincinnati, so we're in what's called the tri-state area of Kentucky. <laughs> Jerry is actually looking out the window. And, of course, all you can see is the garage behind us. But I'm speaking in metaphors. Cincinnati's up there. 
No, Cincinnati would be. I, actually, I have no idea. I have no idea. As far as I know, we're somewhere near Memphis. I can see I Russia know. from my house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we're but in the, what's called the tri-state area. Because Cincinnati, uh, Northern Kentucky, and Eastern Indiana all come together. So uh, every band that comes on from this area is plays probably in all of those areas. And that, is that true? You guys are a Cincinnati uh, yeah. band. Uh, but I bet you well, you're, you played in Northern Kentucky, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. played yeah, in I travel around the, the tri-state and Midwest and been on the West Coast and East Coast. Nice. Yeah. Um, Tell you what, do me a favor and do a song, and then on the other side, we're going to chat with you a little bit, too. Cool. Here we go, The Carriers. Yeah, this song is called Through Your Eyes. It's a, it's a new one. We just played it for the first time the other night at, at Motor, a little local venue. All right, over the rhymes. <laughs> Love, 
let it run I know you get afraid from Cincinnati, Ohio. Hey, uh, where can people hear your music? Um, it's, on, it's on Spotify. There's a couple songs on there. All right. Um, just under Carriers. And um, we put a cassette out that had a couple songs on it called Peace of Mind. Okay. M I N E. And um, we have another song from, the, from this record we have coming out in August. It's dropping in, in April, ni- April 19th. It'll be out. Sounds so, good. Yeah. And iTunes and Amazon. Yeah, usual. All the, yeah. Coming out on Good Friday, is there any significance to that? <laughs> you know what? Maybe there is. Yeah. yeah. yeah the song's called Patience. And, oh, yeah. there you go. There you go. Yeah. So the Carriers, also, uh, Passover. also Passover, yes. Uh, <laughs> Cincinnati, Ohio. Equal check, time. <laughs> yes, sir. Check them out. Hey, would you guys uh, take us out on Down by the Riverside? And Jerry yeah. will join in on that oh, song. Oh, man. Second mm. verse. Unbelievable. Here we go, the carriers down by the riverside. Gonna lay down my heavy load down by the riverside, down by the riverside, down by the riverside. Gonna lay down my heavy load down by. Listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song, and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.